Good morning, everybody. It's great being here this morning. I uh, hope you had a great 4th of July weekend. I know we've been a lot of fun around this place, and uh, it's a great day today. Got an exciting message. I'm excited to be able to share with you today. Just to, uh, to give you a quick update, uh, Pastor Chris and Hannah, uh, they've been on sabbatical for about a week now. They've had an amazing time. I've been checking in just a couple times, just about fun stuff, seeing how they're doing. I know they were out in California visiting family, and so they're doing well. Just to give you that report, I know they, uh, I'm excited that they get a time to, to recharge and to reflect fresh and to have some great family time. So very excited for them. Uh, And this morning, I'm excited that we get to jump into week four of our series, Big Days and Bad Days. This has been a great series as we've gone through the last several weeks. We've talked about the value of friendship. We've talked about what, it, what does it look like in loss with uh, battles, difficulty, being vulnerable, great topics that we've talked about, realizing that it's common for us to have bad days. Sometimes we have bad days. We want to see big days. God is in all of them. And today we get to look at the, the concept of marriage, realizing marriage is, is, is incredible, uh, just an incredible force in our life and realizing every single one of us in the room has either, either we are married, we know someone who's married, we're affected by marriage. And so this is a topic for uh, all of our campuses across every campus, every service this weekend. This is something we're diving into. And personally, it's a fun, it's a fun uh, message for us uh, this weekend because my wife and I, Renee, we've been married 11 years this week. So we get to celebrate that this week. Uh, it's kind of fun. Instead of spending time with you, I was preparing a message. So it's a great, just a great investment. And no, honestly, it's so incredible to be able to come up here, to be able to share, talk about marriage on a week, a special week for us uh, like this. And so uh, another special thing about our marriage is uh, something that when people see, they have a hard time uh, believing, but uh, is our wedding photo. So from 11 years ago, I'm going to show you a picture from our wedding. Uh, and this, uh, this is something I did a little differently, a little unconventional for our, our marriage. See, I first got married, then I hit puberty. So that was like the order of what I did uh, of how that worked for us. And so uh, actually my, my son, just maybe a year or so ago, he sees this picture and he tells my wife, he goes, hey, who's that daddy in that picture? And my wife tells him, that's your daddy. And he goes, no, that's a different daddy. That's... That's somebody else. And so uh, I love it. Hey, I can't leave the Ketterlings out, our lead pastors. And so to show a picture uh, of them as well on their wedding, I, I, can't, I should know the exact year of how long they've been married, but so awesome to see them be faithful in their marriage. Uh, so often to see that uh, styles uh, improve and, you know, change. So that's fun. That's awesome. Uh, just great, great to see them, though, as well. And so uh, here's the deal. Today, for this message, uh, I recognize this is a diverse room. Okay, we have we come from different uh, we have different scenarios. We have different ideas about marriage. This is a diverse room in relationship, and and some of you in the room you're married. Some of you in the room you're single. Some of you have been through divorce. Some of you have lost a spouse. Uh, we have a lot of students that are in the room that are looking uh, to get married someday, and and we, I recognize that we are in different places in this room. But we also know that marriage affects every single one of us that marriage affects each and every one of us. And I want, you to, I want you to catch this, that no matter where you are, you can honor God right where you are. No matter where you are, you can honor God right where you are. And just to give you a picture of the state of marriage, uh, currently there's a lot of stats you can look at, but just, just a couple of them. Uh, people are getting married uh, less and less, and they're getting married later and later, right? And so uh, the average age to get married is 29 for men uh, and it's 27 for women. And so to just to take a look at, that's a little bit of the, the state of, uh, of marriage in our, in our country. And there's other things you can look at. But the point I want to bring up is that every person has a different scenario. 
Every person does. There's different stories. Some of you, your, your big day of your wedding has turned into your best day, right? It's turned into a great life. There's, ama- there's amazing things in your, uh, in your future in store. Some of you, in the, the big day of your wedding has turned into a difficult day, right? It's turned into a series of difficult days. Maybe you've had, you have had a, had a challenging go at your marriage. And, but I want you to know that there, the truth of this, there is a path for every marriage to honor God. There is a path for every marriage to honor God and to fulfill his will. Because I'd love you to see that your big day can lead to a big life. That's what I'd love to see. That's what we'd love to see for every marriage here, that your big day can lead to a big life. And I know that some in the room, you hear that and you think uh, there's, there's many in the room that you associate the word marriage with the word failure. I know there's some of you that maybe you've had a failed marriage or you feel your marriage is failing. Some of you, you uh, you're, you're looking, you feel that you failed in finding a spouse and you're, and you're looking for someone to get married. There's some in the room that uh, maybe you've been hurt by someone else's marriage. Uh, and I think about how common that can be. And I want you to recognize something, knowing no story is the same, knowing it can be easy to associate marriage and, and really any relationship with failure. I want you to know that the cross is bigger. That's just the truth of it. The cross is bigger. And we see this in Romans chapter eight, something I want to share with you. Uh, Romans chapter eight says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That there's nothing. That's so, that's so important for us to catch that there isn't anything in this world that can separate us from the love of God because of the cross, because it's bigger than our circumstance, bigger than our scenario. Uh, for me, when, when I was two years old, my parents got divorced, and, and I, I've shared the, this story with some of you, and I won't go into it all today, but recognizing there was a lot of heartache and instability in my life at a young age. But I want you to know that, that God was able to heal. He was able to redeem. He was able to create a new path. And, and when I look back now, I see, God, I see your hand was on it. But it's only on the, it's only on the backside of God's provision, of his miracles, of his grace, that we're able to see his hand and his power at work. And so I want you to know that the cross is bigger and that your big day can lead to a big life. We'd love to see that. Your big day can lead to a big life. Uh, I'd love to ask this. How many in the room, you've been married 25 years or longer? Just by showing your hand, it won't make you do anything crazy. 25 years or longer, there's several in the room. How awesome is that? That is so cool. Uh, I, I thought about going higher, but I know we're a young church, and I wasn't sure if I'd get anyone who answered, but there are a ton of people uh, in the room, been married 25 years or longer. There's a reason it's natural for us to applaud this, right? There's a reason it's natural for us, because we recognize that marriage is a reflection of something bigger than ourselves, right? It's a reflection of something bigger than ourselves. No one person can accomplish something like that. And, and to all of you who have been married uh, uh, longer than that, praise God for what you've done. Seriously, to affirm you and to say, way to go, good work, keep at it, persevere. Uh, as someone who's not quite there yet, it encourages me to be able to see you be faithful in your marriage. And, and, and so every one of us, we can ask this question today. What am I supposed to, what is, what am I supposed to learn about marriage today? What's the thing that God wants to show me about marriage today? Realizing marriage affects every one of us. We're in different places, but I believe that God wants to speak to you today, to your heart, about something about marriage that's going to affirm you, it's going to redirect you, it's going to help you, uh, and recognizing that it isn't just my, I want God to speak to us, because this isn't just my opinion. I don't just want to share my perspective on marriage. I would love for us to see what does God say about marriage? What does the Bible say about marriage? I don't simply want my perspective. And so to take a look at this, if we're going to look at, God, what do you say about marriage? We have to go back to the beginning, right? To to Genesis chapter two. Uh, We're going to look at the beginning. Marriage was created before the fall. 
right, before the fall. And we can see in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 18, it says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And I want to take just a little time to explain what's happening here, right? As, as Adam and Eve are in the garden, this is, this is before sin has entered their life, and God has created marriage by saying he created Adam, and then out of his side, as you see in the following verses, out of his rib, he, he creates Eve, okay? And I'm going to explain a few things about what's happening in the passage, because it's easy for us to come with our own assumptions, with our own ideas of what this might mean. And so there's a couple of words here we're going to look at. And one of them is suitable and the other is helper that we see from Genesis 2.18. And recognizing that there's a suitable helper, this word suitable is, is, is a word that would be well translated as comparable. Okay, there's a comparable helper. And in this picture of Genesis 2, of, of two people becoming one, of there being a suitable helper, of this mystery of what happens, there's this, there's this comparable nature realizing that, that there's compatibility. Okay, realizing that, that, that man and woman were made to go together, realizing that they are made equally in the image of God. All right, because sometimes people can have a view of, well, who, who is maybe more prominent or more important in realizing, no, 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 earlier in Genesis 1, in verse 27, God said, man and woman, I created them, male and female, I created them both in my image. He created both male and female in his image, both have equal standing before God. Okay, and so there's a comparable nature. The next, this next word is helper. Okay, and our own assumptions can be, this is referring to an assistant or an aide, maybe somebody who has lower status, uh, who, who, who comes as a lower nature, but realizing this, this word is used 19 times in the Old Testament, the word for helper in the Hebrew, uh, outside of this passage, it's used 19 times. 16 of those times, it's referred to specifically as God being our helper. And when I, when I learn that, when I think of that, it refers to me as this isn't about a status, there being lower helper, realizing God surely isn't below us when he comes to help us, but realizing that as a helper, there is a, there is a need for us and there's something beautiful about two people coming together and being on mission together, All right? And this is the key for us, side by side, on the same team, joined together in the same mission, all right, having the same mission. And that is the purpose of marriage that we see in Genesis 2. It's to walk side by side, to be on the same team in mission together. And so I want to share today a few different principles about how do we walk in mission together? All right, how does that work for marriage? How is it possible for us to be in mission together? And so uh, what I'd like to do is just uh, share with you as if I was a marriage mentor working with you. Okay, and so some of you in the room, I know some of you with your spouse, different scenarios, but, but to be able to share, what would it look like if I was a marriage mentor walking with you? And some of you are saying, what in the world is marriage mentoring? Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the ministries we have in our church that a lot of times it's unseen, it's not known, but it's an incredible, incredible tool uh, that, that I feel like God has, has allowed many marriages to become, that, uh, to become more healthy, repaired marriages, has allowed marriages to be enriched. And so what we do is we have marriage mentors that are couples that are willing to say, look, I don't have a perfect marriage, but I'm willing to help. I'm willing to walk through some of these curriculum. I'm willing to walk through some of these resources and tools with couples. And we have couples that are either struggling in their marriage, or maybe there's something they want to improve in their marriage, or they want to enrich their marriage. So they come into this process of marriage mentoring, and we bring, we bring mentors together with people being mentored. And you have advocacy, you have relationship, friendship. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful tool. So I want to share with you Something about being a marriage mentor, uh, and I'll share with you later in the message about maybe how to get involved in this. We'd love to see more people take that step. Uh, but to be able to share, how, how do you live in mission together, right, from a marriage mentor perspective? And the first thing I want to share with you, and this is key, if you're taking notes, I'd write this down. The first key is that you seek a healthy marriage 
not a perfect marriage. All right? our, our call is to seek a healthy marriage, not a perfect marriage. Perfect marriages only exist on social media. Okay? They do not exist in reality. They do not exist. And so it's not something worth seeking, but a healthy marriage is worth seeking. Right? It's worth seeking. And so it's easy to, it's easy to wonder, uh, why is this so hard? I talk to people all the time, okay? If you're a couple coming into my office and, and we're talking, we're, we're, we're going through mentoring, and I realize many people say, I didn't expect this to be so hard, all right? And I want you to know, uh, I, wish that, I wish that it was always easy. I wish that there was never any challenge in marriage, but I also want you to know it's, it's not designed to be difficult all of the time, okay? There, there, is, a, there is a path of healthy marriage, that, that there is a target of having a healthy marriage that God wants to take us on. But the reason it's challenging is you take two people that are broken, that are imperfect, um, that, are not, that, that don't have everything figured out, and two people come together to become one flesh, to become united as one, as if they were one unit. That's the purpose and the mission of marriage, and it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. It's also not a possible thing to do without Jesus. It is impossible without Jesus helping us. And so this is a, it's just, it's so key that we would see that if we're going to be in mission together, we don't seek a healthy marriage or we seek a healthy marriage rather, not a perfect marriage. And the next thing I tell you is that we can live in honor, right? There's a way for us to live in honor. Uh, we see in Ephesians chapter five, a uh, passage I want to read with you starting in, in verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, and I love this picture of, of what's happening here. Uh, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that that should be what motivates us in how to live. And what I love here is he's talking both about husbands and wives and he's talking about as the church, how do we relate to Jesus? Okay, because the reality is marriage is a reflection of the relationship between Jesus and his church which every one of us is a gathering member of. We are the church gathered in this moment. And so he's sharing principles about both. And when he talks about the posture to have is out of reverence for Christ, submit yourselves to one another, realizing that the needs of the other are more important. Right? We have a picture of this, Jesus coming to this world. Okay, he came to this world. He gave up his life willingly for us on our behalf. Okay, that's what Jesus did. That's the example Paul tells us to follow, giving up ourselves. As the church, we look to Jesus and we say, he gave everything for us. I want to honor him with my life. I'm going to follow his lead. I'm going to do what he, he leads me to do. And so that's the path of a marriage is to recognize, look, I need selfless love. I need to honor. I need to find, I need to find a way to come underneath my spouse and to recognize that we submit to one another and see what God can do. It's pretty incredible what Jesus can do in that way. And here's the thing. We often read this and we think about status. I want you to know this is not what it's about. It's not about status. It's about service. Okay. It's about serving one another and we can get caught up in, but whose job is this and role and what's this? I want you to know it's about service. Am I as a husband, is my wife as a wife willing, all right, to put, am I willing to put my wife's needs ahead of my own? That's really what it comes down to. Am I willing? That's the mission of what we are called to do, right? And so often Paul talks about later in, in Ephesians 5, I want to share this with you in, in verse 32. Uh, later on when he's talking about, he gets a little specific and he uses this as an example saying, look, men and women are not created the same. And so there's something that you're supposed to do that maybe isn't natural for you, all the more important reason why we need to do it. And he says, this is a huge mystery and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church 
And this provides a good, pos- a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself in loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Right? This, this really cool picture that we see, recognizing that men are often craving and seeking honor, respect, and affirmation. Women are often seeking and desiring love and affection. Right? All marriage needs all of these things, but these are often what's the felt need right in front of us. And Paul says, hey, do the thing that's not natural for you to do, because that's the thing that's most important, not about what's easy for you to do, but what about you need to give. It's not about status. It's about service. So recognizing that, the beautiful picture, mission requires us to do what's uncomfortable. If we're going to be in mission together, we have to do things that are sometimes difficult or uncomfortable. The next thing I'd share with you is it's how important it is to find the one. Find the one. And so fi- finding my wife, Renee, right here on the front row, I felt like as lucky as I could be, right? To find her, that we're still married, all of these things. But I want you to know something. As much as I love my wife, as much as I hope she loves me back, as much as I love her, she is not the one for me. Here's why. Because there's only room for one one in our life. She is not the one because Jesus has to be the one. Yeah. Okay, and in our culture, what we say is, I'm looking for the one, I want to find the one. Who's Mr. Ryder, Mrs. Ryder, who's the right person? And I'm not saying God doesn't lead us to find them. I'm not saying he doesn't orchestrate things, okay? There's a mystery here. But what I want us to see is that if I assume that my wife is my one, if she becomes my one, then I'm saying she completes me. And I miss what the principle of Jesus, realizing he is the one that completes me. He is the one that, he is the one that I give my life to. And we see this in Luke chapter 10. Not often a passage about marriage, but helps to see Luke chapter 10. Uh, someone is, is asking Jesus, what's most important? And he says, what do you think is the greatest commandment? And he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All right, these are known as the greatest commandments. And Jesus affirms his answer, and he has a challenge for him as well. But he affirms this answer in recognizing if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our strength, our mind, there isn't room, okay, there isn't room for someone else to also be the one, all right? Jesus has to be the one for us, but what happens is Jesus is your one, and together, as in a marriage, as couple, you become one. This is how that works, and becoming one is not for people that are dating, it's not for people engaged, it's for people that are married, you become one Two will become one flesh, as the Bible talks about it. And it's a beautiful picture of finding the one. All right, and so if you're in a different, this can look different. If you're married in the room, I want you to know that means that your spouse doesn't complete you. Jesus does, okay? Jesus is the one that completes you. Uh, if you're single in the room, maybe you're looking for, you're looking for that person. Uh, I want you to know that you don't know what God has around the corner for you. And I want you to know this. It isn't just about finding that person. It's about being the one the one is looking for. All right, be the one you're looking for. What are they looking for? And I'm not just talking about something superficial. I'm saying if you're looking for someone that is passion, wants to passionately serve Jesus, then you make sure that you are passionately serving Jesus, that you're doing what you need to do to position yourself to make sure Jesus is your one. All right, there's nothing more important than that. If you're engaged in the room, I want you to know that your marriage is more important than your wedding. All right, your marriage is more important than your wedding. Plan for a wedding. It's going to be amazing. It's a celebration. It's a good thing but want you to know that it's one day. But if it's going to lead to a big life, you have to recognize your marriage is most important and that your marriage is key. And so find the one. Make sure that you find the one. Next thing I'd share with you is to remember the foundation. Remember the foundation. 
uh, we just moved to a new house in, in Prior Lake. And, uh, and so we moved just, uh, just in this last week. And I promise you, moving um, uh, brings no stress to your marriage. So if you ever want to just have a stress-free uh, environment, just go ahead and move and just see how that works, you know? But no, so we've moved, <laughs> we've moved a few times, so we've got it kind of down. But I... But moving into this new house, I'm assuming that this new house I have has, has a strong foundation, okay? I didn't just buy this house because I think, you know, I hope that this thing holds up for a few years, okay? I'm, I'm trusting that the foundation is strong. And I want you to know foundations are strong because of the care taken to build them. It's the same thing in a marriage. A foundation in a marriage is strong because of the care taken in building that foundation. And we see this in Luke chapter 11. Uh, verse 17, Jesus says, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. Okay, a house that's divided against itself. And if you're like, okay, that sounds really cool, but I'm not sure what it means. If, if we were to take our house, okay, which is not a new house, but when it was being built, uh, this house, if, if we had two different builders with two different sets of blueprints, with two different plans that were building from opposite ends of the house, when they came together to meet, that house wouldn't stand. The house would not work. It would not function. And it's a reminder for us that the foundation has to be the same. It has to be built on Jesus. It has to be built on Jesus. And recognizing that's what it means to be in mission together. We have a solid foundation that is built on Jesus. Next thing I'd share with you is uh, what I call the 100-100 principle. Okay? And, and it's, it's very easy for us. Uh, in fact, many look at marriage as a 50-50 proposition. Okay, as long as we split things down the middle, as long as we uh, try to have some equity, as long as we try to, as long as I bring 50%, you bring 50%, together we'll figure this thing out. I want you to know that's the wrong way to think of marriage. I don't think that it's the God-honoring way. The way to think of marriage is I give all of myself. I give all of myself, all right? And I'm praying that you will give all of yourself and realizing God is gonna take care of my needs. I'm giving myself, God is gonna take care of my needs. I can't change you, but what I can do is realize I'm giving myself fully in marriage. That's what marriage is. It takes, it takes two people, a healthy marriage, that are fully giving themselves. And honestly, how it works in times that I've tried to hold things back for myself or let me take care of my needs and then give you what I have left over, I find that I, I don't think I have enough. I don't find my needs are taken care of. But when I give myself fully, it's amazing how often I see that my needs end up being met. And I think God is in that mystery of, uh, of giving 100% of yourself recognizing uh, you're on a team, okay? You're on a team and the team matters more than the individual. The team is greater than the individual, can be, could be. We see this in the World Cup. Uh, so a few of you may have been watching the World Cup and a couple of you, five, four fans for the World Cup. I know we're in Minnesota. And so recognizing this, here's the cool thing. I've, I've, I pay no attention until it comes on, right? And so I've watched a couple of games. It is amazing to see how passionate the players and the fans back home are. It's amazing to see because you get these players, these individuals that have been playing for different countries, different teams. Now, every four years, they get to come together and they represent their country, their nation. They are on this one team and it means everything to them. It means everything to them because they know what team they're on. And the same thing in our marriages. We have to know what team I'm on. I don't compete in my marriage. I don't try to outdo in my marriage. I recognize the team is more important than I am. And to recognize that is so key, is so key. And the last thing I want to share with you is this concept of speak life, to make sure that we speak life in our marriages. And I think this is, this is so important. Uh, we have to speak aspirationally over our marriages. 
Okay, and what do I mean by that? I, I'm, I talk to couples all the time that uh, they're in a spot where they, they've, they've gotten themselves where they think about the negative and they'll even, as they talk to each other, right, as a team, they'll talk about the negative. How come this doesn't work? How come this isn't working? How come we do this? Uh, why is, why, why, this is why this won't work. And recognizing we have to speak faith-filled for our marriages, Okay, because no one else is going to speak life into our marriage like we can or like we need to. It takes, it takes two people to make a marriage work, and both of us have to speak aspirationally over our marriage. And so that looks like this. If there's something in communication in your marriage that isn't where it should be, say, I would love to see us communicate like this and paint the picture of what you would like to see it be. It rises you up instead of bringing you down realizing there is, there's another place that we can go. And I'm, this is what I would love for it to look like. I'm speaking aspirationally over my marriage. If it's, that works with whether it's communication, whether it's intimacy, faithfulness, teamwork, all right, uh, whatever it might be, recognizing your faith you share together, whatever it may be, speak aspirationally over your marriage. All right. And so another thought when it comes to speaking life is don't vent what you haven't voiced. Okay, don't vent what you haven't voiced. And here's what I mean. So often it's very easy for me to, to talk to someone else about a struggle in my life. Okay, and this, this applies to marriage, but it applies to more than that. A struggle or something that's difficult for me when I haven't even spoken to the person that I need to talk to directly. All right, and so often we do this, but you know what? It doesn't produce any fruit. It doesn't produce any fruit to just vent on for here when we haven't voiced and talked to the person that we need to talk to and talk about. The third thing we speak life in is that we speak forgiveness over each other, that we live in forgiveness. First Peter 4, 8 says this, says, most, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. And recognizing there's times I've sinned in my marriage, there's times in our relationships, we do the things that we wish we wouldn't do. And I want you to know there's different levels of this. But here's the principle is that can we have a posture of forgiveness? Can we have a posture of forgiveness? Can we give the benefit of the doubt whenever possible? So we seek a healthy marriage, not a perfect marriage. We live in honor. We find the one. Remember the foundation. We live in the 100 to 100 principle and we speak life over our marriages. That's what God is calling us to do today. That's what God is leading us to do. And, and this may be for your marriage. This may be for something that you need to share with somebody uh, in a loving way that, that uh, is a marriage that, that, that you are able to speak into. And here's the, here's the reality. So where do we exist on this, right? And so just to speak to us as a room, as an entire room right now, if you look at marriage as a, as a spectrum, okay, there are some of us that are in this room that we would put ourselves in this category right over here of being a struggling marriage. Okay, and I'm not gonna, we're not gonna identify anyone, we're not calling anyone out, we're recognizing the reality that there are some in this room that are living, living in a struggling marriage. And here's the thing I want you to know, that oftentimes the marriages that are strong that we're gonna, we're gonna talk about in a minute that we wanna get to, the marriages that are strong have often had something that they have struggled through that allowed them to move to strength. And so if you are in a marriage right now where you say, I am struggling, there's a few things I want to I share with you. One of them is that marriage mentoring may be a great option for you. Marriage mentoring, and I'm not just talking about this as a teaching, but getting together with another couple. We have a, an easy way in just a moment that we can share with you how to take that step. But I'd love to see you take that step to join marriage mentoring or to reach out to someone whose marriage you know you'd love to learn something from. Say, hey, I'd love to learn this from your marriage. Would you, can we buy you dinner and sit down and learn how to do maybe this thing or help us walk through this thing? So that's for a struggling marriage. Some of you are in the room, you're over here and you're in a strong marriage. 
You would say, my marriage is strong. And I'm not recognizing perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage, but you'd say, my marriage is strong. I want you to know, and it's often because you've walked through something. I want you to know, I believe your step is to help us by becoming a marriage mentor. I would love to see you become a marriage mentor. We actually have more, we have more people waiting to go through marriage mentoring than we have marriage mentors to walk with them. And so I'd love for you to take that step to become a marriage mentor and realize it's, your marriage isn't strong just for you. It's strong for you and also to help other people, to help other people. Many of us are in this spot right in the middle, okay? Where we may not be struggling, we may not be strong, but we feel like we're stuck. There's something in us that we are stuck. And there's, and I want you to know this, when you're stuck, you, we can gravitate towards struggling, all right? Or when we're stuck, we can realize this can be a launching point. This can be a setup. It may feel like a setback, but it can be a setup that leads us to become a marriage that is strong. And I wanna see marriages be strong in this place, that our big day would be our best day, that our big day would lead to a big life. And if you're in this spot and you're stuck, maybe you say, I want my marriage to be enriched. Lean into, lean in. There's so many resources, tools, conversations that you know you need to have to say, I want to be unstuck. I want to grow in my marriage. So the question for us is, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do about it? What's your next step? All right. And so here's the thing. I want to put up, uh, there's a, a number on the screen. I want you to text marriage to 41411. Here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. I want everyone to take out your phones in this place because I don't want this to be a stigma to anybody. Everyone take out your phones. Here's the deal. Every single marriage in this room can be better. Every single marriage in this room, every single marriage you know of can be better. And so we play, we have a role that we play in marriage. And so a way to get information, this simply takes you to the marriage page at River Valley, where there's teachings that we link to. You can get information about either becoming a mentor, going through mentoring, uh, pre-marriage mentoring. There's tons of resources on this page. And I'd love for you to text the word marriage to 41411 to get these resources in your hand. It's the best way to take next steps all right, to, to create a healthy marriage. We have a table in the lobby for you as well. We'd love to just, if you have questions, if there's things that you'd love to dive into, dig into, we'd love to help you take this next step. And so I'm gonna ask everyone around the room to just to close your eyes, to bow your heads. I wanna take one moment. I wanna pray over marriages in this space, in this room. So God, I thank you for every every marriage that is present in this room, Lord, every marriage that's on the minds of those in this room. And I pray that, that you would give a blessing, Lord, that goes beyond ability, that goes beyond history, that goes beyond expectation, but that you would give a blessing in marriage in this space, that our church would be built up with this foundation, Lord, of strong marriage that reflects you and your glory, who you are, who you're leading us to be. And I pray, God, that you would lead us to do things greater than we ever thought possible. Lord, that go beyond just a marriage relationship. I pray, God, that our relationship with you would be key, would be foremost, and that you would lead us, God, into health, into holiness. You would lead us into passion and that you would lead us to have, the, to have lives that fully serve you and live for you for all our days. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. In your name, Jesus, amen and amen.